Let's Science is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. We live in a universe of scientific wonders. Every day, scientists are inching towards breakthroughs which can change our lives. We're playing our small part in sharing these wonders with you. That's why today is a fine day for science. So let's science. NASA is going to launch the Artemis 1 mission. It is going to officially kick off uh, the Artemis program. So the Artemis program has been running for a while, but the first mission of the Artemis program is is going to literally launch and this is very 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 exciting so lena i'll give us a, a very quick breakdown um this is all from nasa and i've put links to all these things um in our show notes so uh, nasa has provided an, an overview um of of the mission going to the moon uh, it's provided a breakdown of the different satellites it's launching along the way there's an awesome infographic so it's got pictures with diagrams showing each stage with what's going to happen and they've also made a video that goes for about 10 minutes, which is really good. Um, the video goes into a lot of detail about the details around the mission too. So um, I'll, just, uh, I'll just give a bit of an overview of what's actually happening in this mission. Artemis is uh, in, in uh, Greek mythological you know, legends. Artemis is the sister of Apollo. So the the I also first, remember that. Yeah. yeah. So the, <laughs> the, moon, the first moon missions were, was the Apollo program. Um, yeah. And they used the, the Saturn V rockets, which was this huge monster of a rocket. It's just amazing. Um, and there's a documentary I, I recommend. It's like a documentary film called, I think it's just called Apollo or the Apollo missions. Um, and it, it basically, they take the footage um, and they, uh, of the Apollo mission and they fix it up and make it look really good for, mod, you know, for modern viewers. And you just basically follow the entire mission. It's cut down. It's not three days long. Obviously it's about, it's an hour, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. two hours long. But I was, Oh man, I've I've talked about it before in, in last year, I think it was. I was stunned. I loved the documentary so much that I watched it one night and I watched it immediately again the second day, like the day oh, after. Wow. Uh, the, okay. the launch sequence, just the launch sequence alone is stunning. The way they do it and the music they put over the top, it's it's beautiful. So I hope someone does this for Artemis. So that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm really getting at. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's what what's yeah. the one with Tom Hanks? What Apollo mission? Apollo thirteen. Because Apollo eleven went to the moon. First, yeah. So I, th- I think the film was Apollo thirteen, which right, took a lot of dramatic right. license, but it's still a very cool film. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was a different Apollo. Okay. Yeah, Houston, sorry. we have a problem. That was the line, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. When they say that, whew, that's really, really. <laughs> yeah. Intense. Yeah, uh, but I mean, having had that problem and working, workshopping a way to get these guys back to Earth, it I mean, was whoa, incredible. Yeah, that was yeah. incredible. <laughs> Despite whatever the film tells us, I'm sure the work behind the scenes in real life was also Ooh. incredible too. Yeah, I would. I would be have so much stress trying to get those. Oh, oh for sure. Home. You're trying to get oh. people, you know, human beings back to Earth. I mean, they're trapped in space. There's no rescue. You can't send anything up there to bring them back. So no. Nope. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So Artemis. Um. So this is now the renewal of of going to the moon, and this is more long term. So the Apollo missions collected samples and studied the moon and left instruments there and so on. This is really about um about moving towards a more permanent human presence on the moon and then also about because artemis really its goal is deep space exploration so from from the moon to mars and beyond into into the rest of our solar system so we're talking about a very 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 long-term uh, mission which will develop and grow over time 
And the first vehicle that's part of this is the SLS or the Space Launch System. Um, and it is a mega rocket. It is a huge, again, amazing piece of technology. Uh, and it's taken a long time to to build it. And the rocket from memory costs about $1.8 billion. Whoops. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because it's new. It's it's a combination of old and new technology. And there are, it's not just the rocket itself. It's the platform that it, that it launches from as well. The the launch mount. It's the people yeah, that work behind it. Exactly. It's, that's um, all it's, gets in the mouth. Yep. yep. And it's NASA working in collaboration with all kinds of space agencies, you know, the European Space Agency, JAXA, the Japanese Space Agency. There's all these different collaborations. Um, and the vehicle itself, the, the Space Launch System, is a system. It's a combination of different uh, modules that have been made by different companies and put together. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, um, I mean, the, the second stage um, engine um, that pushes the, space, the Orion spacecraft is a European um, system, like device so, or vehicle. So it's pretty amazing what, what they've put together. Um, so a bit of a profile of the mission itself, and I'm just using NASA's website to help here. So uh, Artemis 1 will be the first integrated test of NASA's deep space exploration systems. This is the combination of the Orion, Orion spacecraft, which includes the Orion capsule where human beings will eventually, or astronauts will eventually travel in, the space launch system, which is the rocket, uh, and the ground systems at Kennedy Space Center. So this is the whole system. The first in a series of increasingly complex missions. So, so this is the easy one, even though it's really complex, because it's actually going to get more and more complex as they go. This is the the easy one, although it's not easy at all, um, because the second mission will have people on it and will have a different purpose, and and the rocket will be a different configuration. So, oh, um, this to is be, yeah, yeah. So this is an uncrewed test flight. And it will provide a foundation for human deep space exploration and demonstrate uh, NASA's capability to extend human existence to the moon and then beyond. And so that the implication there is oh, Mars wow. to start with. There we go. Yeah. Yep. That was good. Yeah. So during the flight, the spacecraft will launch on the most powerful rocket in the world. And that's true until Starship is ready. This is the most powerful <laughs> rocket. Starship will be more powerful yeah. and larger. Um, but this is the most powerful rocket to date. So this is why I think it's really co cool to watch because... This is a monster mega rocket that they're, that they're launching. Um, it will go further um, than any uh, spacecraft built for humans has ever flown. Uh, it will travel 280,000 miles. I don't know what that is in kilometers <laughs> from Earth. Wow. Um, thousands mm. of miles beyond the moon. Uh, and over a course of about, say, it's a, uh, they say a four to six week mission. So that's variable depending on, on how the outcomes are achieved. It'll oh, stay in it'll space. Be longer. Oh, well. Okay. No, so th okay. this okay. is a whole like a round trip. So go to the moon, orbit for a couple of days, come back to Earth and, um, and recover the capsule. And this is to test that the whole, th the whole system works. Cool. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So um, it will yeah, stay in space any longer um, than any ship for astronauts has done without docking to a space station and return home faster as in speed and hotter than ever before. So, basically, um, it will launch from Launch Complex 39B, which is uh, NASA's spaceport at Kennedy Space uh, Center in Florida, which is where you see most um, American rocket launches take, uh, happen from. At the moment, yeah. 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 Um, it's designed for missions beyond uh, low Earth orbit, for carrying crew or cargo to the moon and beyond. So, this isn't about launching satellites into orbit around the Earth, which is what most missions are. This is about taking people and equipment beyond Earth's orbit. So, to the moon... And beyond. Now, um, I don't know how to translate pounds um, of thrust, so I'll just use what's here. But it says it will produce um, into tons. I don't know how to do it, but it says 8.8 .8 million pounds of thrust during liftoff, 
and uh, that's a lot. And ascent to a lot to a loft vehicle weighing it says nearly six million pounds to uh, to orbit. So it propels. Yeah, this is yeah, this is a, a heavy, a heavy hey, rocket. This is a heavy, yeah. heavy rocket. Yeah, very yeah. heavy. Yeah, um, and it can carry tons and tons of gear in, into space too, which is really cool. Um, so it'd be propelled by a pair of um, of boosters. So the boosters are those um, those tall white rockets on the side, um, and and four RS twenty five engines. Now these are actually the engines that were used on the space shuttle as well. So they have they have a lot of leftover space shuttle engines. So they've repurposed them and re you know refurbished and renewed them so that they can be used. And the idea of that was to save money. Now I'm not sure of how course. much money they actually saved considering the cost blowouts they <laughs> yeah. had, but, but that so at least fun. was the intention anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it will. Um, so after it launches, um, it will it will hit you know max Q, which is the highest amount of pressure on the rocket, within about ninety seconds. And then after that, once it gets through max Q, those those giant white those giant boosters will then be jettisoned. And if you look at the um, at the what's it called the shuttle launches, it's a very similar thing where the where the boosters would then be jettisoned. Um, and also the service uh, module panels. And the launch abort system; these will um, these will all be um, all be jettisoned. The launch abort system is if during launch there's a problem, the uh, the capsule uh, carrying people carrying the astronauts will separate and will uh, basically like a, a rocket on top literally propels it away from any danger or, or anything else like that as well. So it's like an emergency system to save to save people's lives. The abort system, but once they get high enough, the abort system isn't needed, so it's jettisoned. Uh, and that, and then also the core stage as well, um, which is that giant. Uh, the core stage is a giant that giant tank full of fuel, whether the engines are attached to. So once once it gets uh, high enough, the core stage, um, the, the engines will shut down, and the core stage will then separate. And then it's just the Orion spacecraft with the um, with the it's called an inter interim cryogenic propulsion stage. So this is an, a smaller rocket that will um, in, w- um with a couple of engines or one engine that will then boost the Orion spacecraft into orbit of the Earth. Cool. So wow. Yep. So then it will um it will get into orbit, and then from orbit it will then move uh beyond the the highest uh, satellites that orbit the Earth and prepare to do what's called a TLI or a translunar injection where it basically sets course for the moon. So um, during that time, so once, the, once it's separated in the space, once the spacecraft has separated from the, um, from the propulsion module, the propulsion module will then deploy about 13 different cube satellites. So it's actually going to... Oh, cool. Yeah, which is really cool. So... Uh, all these little yeah, satellites pop, popping yeah. out. And there's Did a video of what it looks it? like, cool. and it's really cool. So the um the Orion space uh, craft will fly away, and the the engine stage the um will then at that point launch its little satellites. So I wanted to briefly talk about what these satellites are. They're called cubesats, which means smaller, they're like small satellites. Some can be like the size of a microwave, you know, that, that, and and a little bit larger. Um, but I'll I'll just quickly go through what each of them are. Um, without going into too much detail, because actually each of one, each of these is a science segment on its own, to be honest, as well. <laughs> so uh, here's a breakdown of, of, of these 13 CubeSats. Argo, Argo Moon is designed by ArgoTech um, and coordinated by the Italian Space Agency. It's designed to image the interim cryogenic propulsion stage, so that second stage that it's just launched itself from, uh, for mission data and historical records. It will demonstrate technologies necessary for a small spacecraft to maneuver and operate near a propulsion stage. BioSentinel is an astrobiology mission that will use yeast to detect 
measure and compare the impact of deep space radiation on living organisms over long durations. Yeah, yeast. Yep. So basically exposing yeast to radiation, to space radiation. That's pretty much what it is. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. To see what kind of effect it has on, on human uh, on, on human bodies or on living living things anyway. Oh, living things. So we... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, the next one is the CUSP mission, CubeSat for Solar Particles, designed by the Southwest Research Institute. It will study the dynamic particles and magnetic fields that stream from the sun and as a proof of concept for the feasibility of a network of stations to track space weather. Uh, Equilius, uh, which I don't have the... Do I? No, it doesn't say what that stands for. Anyway, this is a Japanese uh, satellite um, that was created by JAXA and the University of Tokyo. It will image Earth's plasmosphere to study the radiation environment around the Earth while demonstrating low-thrust maneuvers for trajectory control in space between Earth and the Moon. And yes, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> Luna, Luna Ice Cube. No, we're not launching a celebrity into space. There is one called Luna Ice Cube. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. Oh. Reminds me of the, um, of the lyrics from um, Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Pretty Fly for a White Guy. He, yeah. um, he tried to buy Ice Cube, but he bought Vanilla Ice. Instead. Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway, um, that's going back to a long time ago. Uh, anyway, so Lunar Ice Cube is a lunar orbiter, so it's going to orbit the moon, uh, and it will search for additional evidence of lunar water ice from a low lunar orbit. Now, the water and ice on the moon is really important because that can be converted into a fuel, a fuel source for launches from the moon later on in the future. Oh so, wow! So the moon could might become a, a petrol station or a gas petrol station, depending on how you know, Gas yeah. station or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hope right. the prices there okay. are cheaper than they are on Earth. I just want to say that much. Oh man, um, I can imagine it will be so expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Five hundred dollars a liter? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Google Maps. Yeah. What if I've got my Woolworths discount card? Yeah. <laughs> how many points do I get for that? Google Space Maps. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> next up, yeah. Next stop. Turn left the at the next moon. Yeah, yeah that's right. Turn yeah. left at the moon. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that. it's a good one. Um, the next one is called Lunar H Map or the Lunar Polar Hydrogen Mapper. A lunar orbiter designed at Arizona State uh, University, it will map hydrogen within craters near the lunar south pole, tracking depth and distribution of hydrogen-rich compounds like water. It will use a neutron detector, which sounds so Star Trek, to measure the energies say, of... Yeah, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it will measure the energies of neutrons that interacted with the material on the lunar surface. Its mission is planned to last 60 days and perform 141 orbits of the moon. The uh, the Near Earth Asteroid Scout is a proof of concept of a controllable CubeSat solar sail spacecraft. They say that ten times fast. Yeah, it's capable, of, yeah, yeah. Wow, ca- um, capable yeah. of encountering near Earth asteroids. Observations will be achieved through a close ten kilometers flyby of asteroids and using a high resolution science grade monochromatic camera to measure the physical properties of a near Earth asteroid. A variety of potential targets would be identified based upon launch date, time of flight, and rendezvous velocity. Now, because pronouncing things, it's I've already done a good job, and it, it just wants to make sure I can do this. Omo Tanashi, it's called. Now, this, of course, is an anagram for something. I have no idea. However, this one is really cool. I love this. This is designed by JAXA, so it's another Japanese one. It's a lander probe. Uh, to study lunar the lunar radiation environment. So this is a small lunar lander. So they're going to land this on the moon, which I want to follow this mission. I want to know all about this one. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll land on the moon and basically study radiation there, which is cool. Um, now, Lunir or Lune IR 
is a spacecraft designed by Lockheed Martin to fly by the moon and collect surface spectroscopy and thermography. And Lunar Flashlight, cool name, I love this one, is a lunar orbiter, so it's going to orbit the moon, and it will seek exposed water ice and map its concentration uh, in the one to two kilometer scale within the, within the permanently shadowed regions of the lunar south pole. It was one of three CubeSat missions to miss the integration window to fly an Artemis 1, but it will need to find an alternative ride to the moon. So uh, this one, I thought this was going with Artemis. I'll have to look that one up. That's all right. Oh, oh okay. And oh, um, okay. then there were three remaining slots which were opened as a competition. Um, the competition was called NASA's Cube Quest Challenge, and the winners were announced by Ames Research Center um, in 2017. So the competition was to contribute to opening uh, deep space exploration to non-government spacecraft, and the winners were... Drumroll! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Team Miles will demonstrate long-distance communications while in heliocentric orbit and show low-thrust trajectory control techniques by employing a hybrid ion thruster. It was designed by Fluid and Reason, uh, LLC, Tampa, Florida. So we've got that. Yeah, we've got that one. Um, CIS Lunar Explorers will demonstrate the viability of water electro- electrolysis, propulsion, and interplanetary optical navigation to, uh, to orbit the moon. It was designed by Cornell University. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Ithaca, New York. It was one of three CubeSat missions to miss the integration window to find Artemis 1 and will also need to find its own way to the moon. Oh, so sad. All right. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and Earth Escape Explorer will demonstrate long-distance communications while in heliocentric orbit. It was designed by the University of Colorado uh, Boulder, and sadly, it missed its integration to Artemis One, and will also need to find its own way to the moon as well. But these were these were what's intended. Um, so the majority of those are going to be launched on on Artemis One, and no doubt the. Um, the when you watch the mission, they'll go through these profiles in a lot more detail than what we've done here. So I'll just finish the mission overview. So that that's uh so the that um the uh the cryogenic uh, engine system will then you know it's launched those um those satellites. It's out of the picture, and now it's all up to the the Orion spacecraft. So the Orion spacecraft will then go to the moon and orbit it. Um, so to be propelled by what's called a service module, which is like a an engine module, like another vehicle. Um, and this will propi- supply the propulsion um, and power and as well as the, um, the air and water for astronauts on future missions. So they're testing everything now to see what the conditions are like for astronauts in the, um, in the, um, in the, the capsule, the Orion capsule, which is the part where humans live in. Gotcha. It's going to be, be inside. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. So, um, Orion will pass through the Van Allen radiation belts. Fly plus Van Allen. Pass, sorry, yep, no, Van, no, this is different. <laughs> yeah, it's no, a bit no, different. That's a different yeah, one. different. Yep. Sorry, but my, my my bad. My bad. Might as well jump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Definitely will. <laughs> that's the music they have to play in the capsule as it launches. I reckon. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll uh, so it'll fly past the global positioning system in orbit of Earth, which is in, in one of the highest orbits. Um, and it, to talk to Mission Control in Houston, Orion will switch from NASA's tracking and data relay satellite system and communicate through the Deep Space Network, which I love the name of that, by the way. Um, <laughs> Deep so Space from, Network. Yeah, yep. so this is the, the network that I think um, probes and things in deep space use to connect, to, to communicate with Earth. 
So Orion's going to be using that as well. From here, Orion will continue to demonstrate its unique design and net to navigate, communicate, and operate in deep space environment. It will then make its out outbound trip to the moon, which will take several days. And in this time, engineers are going to evaluate the spacecraft systems um, and then make any corrections to its trajectory or anything else that needs to happen uh, on Just the way. Just in case, yeah. Yep. 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 So Orion will fly 100 kilometers above the surface of the moon and then use the moon's What's gravitation. That's um, yep. pretty close, is it? It's, it's close, close yeah. I mean, you'll be able to see close. the moon. I mean, you'd have a pretty good view of the moon. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, and then use, I mean, and it's a big body in space. So 100 kilometers means it will look quite large too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you pretty you get some decent views of it. Uh, and then it will use the moon's gravitational force to propel Orion into a new deep retrograde or opposite orbit about 70,000 kilometers from the moon. Um, yeah, and I'll let Caroline explain retrograde orbits because I was reading about it and, you know, I've learned a few things, but Caroline can do it better. Um, this, yeah, so the spacecraft will stay in orbit for about six days to collect data and allow mission controllers to assess the performance of the spacecraft. During this period, Orion will travel in a direction around the moon, retrograde from the direction the moon travels to the Earth. So I think that means opposite, the retrograde thing, but leave it at that. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> six days would have then passed by. And then it will return to Earth. So for the return trip, it will do another close flyby. So remember, it was 70,000 kilometers away. It will travel to about uh, about another, again, 100 kilometers approximately from the moon's surface. surface. Um, and it says the spacecraft will use another precisely timed engine firing of the European-provided module, uh, um, the space uh, module, uh, with the moon's gravity to accelerate back towards Earth. This maneuver will set the spacecraft on a trajectory to Earth's outer uh, Earth to enter the atmosphere at twenty five thousand miles per hour, or Goodness in Australian me. language, eleven kilometers per second. So this is fast. This is really fast. Wow! Um, temperatures okay. temperatures exceeding. Uh, I'll do both measurements here: five thousand degrees Fahrenheit or two thousand seven hundred and sixty degrees Celsius. Um, and so this is quite fast and quite hot. So it actually does have a very a very advanced heat shield to be able to enter the atmosphere when it when it does return to Earth because there'll be a lot of friction and create a lot of heat. This thing is going to burn as it comes in. Um, so after about three weeks and a total distance uh, of about 1.3 million miles, that would be the total travel distance that it's done, the mission will end with a test of Orion's capability to return safely to the Earth as the spacecraft makes the precision landing with eyesight recovery within eyesight recovery of the um, recovery ship off the coast of Baja, California. I hope I said that correctly. Uh, and if following smash down... Is it Baja? Baja? I don't know if it's Baja or Baja. Someone, all right, um, <laughs> so, someone will correct us. Yeah. Uh, either way. Um, I was trying to sound like I knew what I was talking about there. So, <laughs> <laughs> following splashdown, Orion will remain powered for a period of time as, it, as divers from the US Navy and operations team uh, will then send small boats out to recover the ship. Uh, they'll inspect the craft, look for hazards, hook it up to um, the tow lines, and then a boat will recover it and bring the spacecraft home. And that will be the end of Artemis 1, paving the way to the moon and, and beyond, which is very exciting. Wow. Yeah. Cool, 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 yep. cool, cool, cool. So what this means for the future is uh, they'll then take the steps to build um, another, I think they would be building it already, another SLS or space launch system, um, this time with, the, with um, humans in mind to send astronauts to the moon. Um, and then they'll begin testing it and getting it ready. And it says the second flight, which I believe is slated at the moment for 2024. Don't quote me on that. Um, but wow, it'll take crew... not too far away. Yeah. It's not too far away, no. Uh, it'll take crew on a different trajectory and test Orion's critical systems with humans on board. 
and they say that they'll they'll evolve the systems. Um, so um, SLS's uh, mission will be to send equipment and people to the moon, and it will be able it will be able to um, in its final configuration it will be able to carry forty five metric tons, which is a lot. That's that's, that's a, a lot, lot for space. Uh, yeah, a lot of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, very very exciting. And later on in the future, future exploration missions with crew on board. Uh, we'll assemble and dock with uh, the Lunar Gateway, which is a space station that's planned for lunar orbit. And uh, using the Gateway, that's how people are going to land on the moon. So they'll dock with the Gateway, then go into the spacecraft that's at the Gateway already and use that to land on the moon and come back. And the spacecraft, um, the spacecraft that will be the, uh, the, the lunar lander and then take off from the moon and come back to the space station is Starship. SpaceX's Starship. So there's a moon variant that's being designed for that as well. Which is so cool, so exciting, oh, yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. So Gateway is almost like a, uh, what's it? It's like the an ISS. For us. Yeah, like, like, it is like an airport. Yeah, yeah. Well, not airport. Sorry, spaceport. Like spaceport. A spaceport. Yeah. And then, and they come yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So wow. it'll be a, cool. a couple of modules to start with, and they'll they'll send expansion modules to make it bigger as they go along. You know, it's like when you buy a board game, and yeah, you know, you buy a board game, and it's um. You know, you've got the you've got the the core set, but then suddenly you've got to buy the expansions to make it more fun. <laughs> that's what that's what the Lunar Gateway. So the ISS well, is basically like, yeah. At least it doesn't cost us like billions of dollars, Lizzie. So it should be okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So very excited for that mission, and can't wait to see what all of you. Yeah, watch it, people. Watch it in Australia. It will be on. I look at my calendar. It's Monday the 29th in Australia at 10:33 p.m., which is actually pretty decent. Because these things happen at crazy times normally. And I am so glad it is not happening during the day when I'm at work. Because if it's in a class, students are going to be watching SLS. I'm sorry. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, that's education. And, and why I'm excited, not just because it's a big flamey rocket, but also this is history. This is, this is, um, this is a first. All right. A first rocket of this type. Um, a first in the sense that this is not just a moon rocket, but this is about going into deep space, the moon and beyond. Um, this, this is a first because this is the, the furthest. A, a spacecraft has been from Earth that's designed to come back to Earth again. So there are a lot of a lot of important first things and very exciting. So looking forward to that. Yeah, we should live stream watch it. No, I'm kidding. No, we won't do that because it just be me going, "Oh my gosh! Oh my god! Look at that!" <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, let's not do that. Let Science is brought to you by StarQuest Media and is a fortnightly podcast that brings you the scientific wonders of our universe from a distinctly Catholic point of view. For more from Caroline, Lindsay, and friends, listen to the StarQuest show, Catholics of Oz. Find links from today's show at sqpn.com science. And find the Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com oz. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. The generous donations of our patrons at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue Let Science and all the shows at StarQuest, which makes our nonprofit mission possible. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com give. Join us next time for more scientific wonders, and thank you for listening to Let's Science on StarQuest. <laughs> <laughs>